Welcome everyone to another very special episode of Down to the Wire. Actually, we've got um, an interview after this short intro. We have that we felt we should probably do because we didn't really we didn't really anticipate for this. But the Super Bowl was this past weekend, and we couldn't just we just couldn't say nothing about it. And I I had a great time watching it. I thought it was a great game. Um, football. It, yeah, no. I mean, first time it was a great game. Fuck Fox. Um. You know, it was it was. I hate Mahomes. State it was Firm's the worst fucking insurance company. But uh, yeah, no. I mean, we saw a good we saw a good win by uh, fuck. Who was it? Wasn't um, San Francisco the other team? Patty Mahomes, Kansas City. Who lost again? Who was the team that didn't win? The uh, my friend likes yeah, them. I'm gonna my friend, kill you. My friend likes them a lot. My Niners lost, dude. Oh, that. It's exactly who it was. That's who lost, actually. It's the Niners. Yeah, no, they lost. That's sad. How do you feel? Fuck you, dude. <laughs> That's how I feel. Go fuck yourself, man. You're the worst friend ever, man. I was... I hate football, man. Football sucks. Mm. We should just stop mm. fucking caring about it. Hey, but but think about it like this, man. Think about it like this. Football sucks. Yeah, no, no, it's I understand. A, it sucks. But then next year, they fucking really in pull on your heartstrings, build this like for fucking seventeen year long relationship with yeah. you, and then they fuck you once in twenty twelve, and you're like, I'll give you another chance, man. We're just gonna stick this out, and then they don't give you hope till twenty twenty, and then they just fucking. You should get a divorce, man. That's what most normal people would do in the situation that you just described. It sounds like you have had a wife. It, it sounds like you've had a wife for seventeen years. She cheated on you back in twenty twelve. You're like, you she know cheated what? On me in twenty twelve with Joe Flacco yeah, and Ray you, Lewis. You're like, you know what? I'll let you. I'll give you another go. I'll let this see see and where this now goes. She fucked me over by sucking on Patty Mahomes' schlong. And like that's, that's bad because like. he's like t- younger than twenty five. Kind of statutory, so kind of a bitch. Yeah, kind of a dick move. Yeah, no, that's. It's, it's, it's not hard. statutory, but it's actually completely legal. But <laughs> it's not even which I'm pissed about. <laughs> not even real. Um, but uh, it was a bullshit game. You know what? It's just sad because it sucks to say that we lost to the better team because we were the better team that day. We just blew it in the end with a uh, Shanahan. Fucked it again, dude. Again, dude. You made the same fucking mistake you made in that Atlanta Super Bowl. Where we had two back-to-back possessions, second and short, after running the ball, we had second and short. Could keep the clock running and maybe bring it down to third and short. Or maybe get a first down because we were running efficiently. But instead, we passed the ball twice and the clock stops. And then you give Mahomes more opportunities. I didn't fucking understand that part, man. I didn't understand that. We ran the ball well, too. Like, why did we stop? Most only had 12 touches. Debo was running the ball effectively, and we stopped. We stopped. Why would you stop? Why would you stop, Shanahan? Why'd you stop? I didn't tell you to stop. What's I told you to keep deal, going. the deal, Shanahan? <laughs> Why'd you stop? <laughs> I don't get it, man. I don't. Jimmy played well enough. He, yeah, like the stat line. Listen, the listen, stat line's listen. bullshit because it says two interceptions. The last one was just a fucking desperation interception. But he had like he's literally good, like out there, eyes closed. Debo's down there somewhere. No, yeah. he he had he missed one throw to Emmanuel Sanders that would have won us the game. But like Sherman, he played like shit. You yeah, he was too. not. You know it too. Do you see him, that picture of him on the sideline? It was literally the exact same picture of him on the sideline with, like, the Seahawks. It, 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 just it like, was that picture. Oh, was it? Just Photoshop? Yeah. Oh, okay, fuck. I was like, no way he did that I again. I hate football. And I hate Fox, dude. Fox, you good fucking Good work suck. on whoever Photoshopped that because you sold that. That was good hey, work. I had a message to Fox and Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. You fucking suck. Because whenever Shanahan's in a Super Bowl, you guys happen to be fucking commentating it. And he also happens to fucking lose. Coincidence? Nah, dude. Nah, dude. You just hate Shanahan, bro. You just. Do you think it was? Do you think the white jerseys played any role in that? I don't want to talk about the fucking jerseys, man. Because you know white jerseys are good luck. But they weren't for the Pats that year, and I had to get my hands pooped in. So that's true. Yeah. So just think, maybe next year, bro, go back, like the Pats did, win, in blue jerseys or red, I guess. Yeah. You know there is that, and take it from a friend, bro, a friend who is in this same position. You don't have to get your hands pooped in. And there's next year. So turn that frown upside down. 
And that pass be thankful interference that you on don't George have Kittle, any Brown. That pass interference on George Kittle wasn't pass interference. That was bullshit. D4 was offside, would have extended the drive. Fuck that, dude. Fox, you suck too because what was with those animations, dude? Where it showed the player's stats. It would be like Mahomes or Jimmy G and then the stat line. But it would show like an animation of the I, no I, picture I, of like, him. I remember that. Weird, but like, dude. I just don't. Weird, bro. Weird. Just weird. Fox, you suck. I'm canceling Fox. In terms of covering the Super Bowl, you're like one. You're like the fuck that. Ne- down the wire will be the next people who cancel Fox. <laughs> Netflix has done it. Pretty sure Craves out too. Fox, you suck, dude. You suck. Except you for Simpsons and suck, Family dude. Guy, Fox, you kind of suck. You suck. You can't even cover a su- Mike Pereira. <laughs> fuck you, dude. I hate you, man. Mike Pereira, you suck. You're dude, the you worst. Got, you got the crazy eyes going right now. You're the worst, You got Mike the crazy eyes. I've never seen you move this much I, on I, I honestly, I, I locked myself in a room. I didn't want to fucking talk about it. You locked uh, yourself in a room. I got, for, I, I, you I locked got, it. You didn't just lock yourself in a room. You hold yourself up in a room for like I two got days. I sad drunk. All you, hear, all you heard was crying, some screaming, hole punching, like wall punching. And then finally you came out. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You were in there for two days, dude. Like, uh, w- w- were you going to the bathroom? What were you eating? I know you get that long-ass Toblerone bar, but I know that's more <laughs> of a seat than anything. <laughs> yeah, that explains the crying and screaming. My bad. <laughs> also, I, I sorry got, for I going got, through your drawers the other day. <laughs> got, <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret Toblerone. <laughs> okay. Seat crit. <laughs> I got sad drunk Sunday night. I went to the bar and got sad drunk. Dude, you were, you like came back happy. Because I forgot. I was forgetful. Forgot about everything. And then I woke up at like 5 p.m. the next day. And just. Wild on yourself, pity. All right. Well, we got a sick interview for you guys. It's coming up. Thanks. <laughs> so on a low note. <laughs> now we interviewed in New York this New York comedian. His name is Aaron Berg. Um, he spat some knowledge on us mm. about the comedy game. So, yeah. If you're interested in that, it's coming up. Alrighty. Um, welcome back, guys. Down the wire. Today's a little different. We got a special guest, Aaron Berg. From- DTTW. Yeah. Down to the wire. Why this name? Why this name? Because yeah. you're getting down to it. Getting down to down the to wire. down to the wire means it's a that cool you're phrase. Getting, it's yeah. coming down to the wire. Things are getting intense yeah. towards the end. Okay. Honestly, it's the, the best part. I I like it because it's so ironic. Yeah. In all honesty, it just my mom asked just like why that, and I was like, good question actually. Yeah. No idea. No also, idea. when people say it during sporting events like the announcers, it's a free ad. Yeah. The game's coming down to the wire. Free ad. Right there. Okay. Yeah. It happens more often than you think, too. Like, at least twice a game, we're like, ah, ah. Down to the wire. Ah, that's money we didn't have to spend right there. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's other things you could have put. You could have called it John Tavares. That, then you'd hear people say that a lot as well. Oh, but we can't really copyright his name. And if you spelt it differently. Yeah, you could. just John Tavares. Yeah, John Tavares. <laughs> With a Z. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been genius. Well, this is great. So this was your dream when you guys were kids? You both wanted to move to Ottawa and go to... And uh, do a B-rank podcast school, in the green room of podcasts. Carlton's the school, right? It is the school. When school. I was growing up, people would be, they'd joke about Carlton because they thought it was easier to get into than some other schools. They is still, it still do. that? Yeah, they no, still do. But I went to like a easy, I went to University of New Brunswick, which is hey, in Fredericton. Hey, and that was the first school that I accepted. I'm from Where? Nova Scotia. Yeah, from Nova Scotia. Which town? Middleton. But oh. fuck Idaho. Is that like... I know people, people in Bridgewater. Hey, that's only that's Antigonish. an hour away. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like a hillbilly. Oh, hick so you come here man. and you're like, oh, there's girls that aren't my cousins and shit. <laughs> and you get all excited. And it's not, they're not goats. Like it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Holy. Nova Scotia's nice. The I world like isn't fishing and farming. It's Do you crazy. Find, was it hard for you to like be less racist when you moved here? No. No. That's a great it just, question. It, it, it is a question that like, in a question I've not been asked. And I didn't realize how like non-racist people were until I left, or like how sensitive people were about it. Yeah. Really, you know, because people in your town wouldn't be racist, but they would make jokes and innuendos that if you made them here, you would be deemed yeah, exactly, racist. But the, exactly. those people in your town were very yeah, kind-hearted, exactly. but they would just make jokes and kind of wink about it. But they weren't racist. Exactly, it's 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 all it's yeah. all good fun. It's all yeah, good and now fun. Now you're here. What's <laughs> your what's your dream? What do you guys want to do with this? This so. 
You want to be in broadcasting? Yes. I'm a journalism student. He's a communications. That was one of the other questions. So now let me ask you this. (laughs) If some of the stuff that I said, which off the top, Mm -hmm. would be deemed offensive, it showed up on the video, didn't show up on the audio. Mm -hmm. What if in like five years you get hired on CTV and and you're the guy and then they go, oh, look what he laughed at five years ago when someone said something. The thing is, I don't... The th- what we're doing here is we're trying to build our own brand, so we're not trying to work for another brand. Well, that's mm-hmm. what so a, everything's a lot of owned. people do. Yeah. Uh, my friend Luis Gomez runs a thing called Gas Digital. I was just talking to him. Uh, and then, you know, Rogan's got his own thing, so he can't be canceled. So y- you want to work towards making your own thing. So, you you know, I so feel like I'm freedom. uncancelable, but now once in a while I'll be up for a job where I'm like, oh, if I get this job, mm. people could come after this job. Mm-hmm. The things I say, so it's an interesting thing. Yeah, hope, it, it, you just hope for Plan A to work out, so you don't have to resort to B, C, or D. Yeah, but I mean, this is kind of Plan A was to get hired by a whole ton of people, but then you know, like you've gone too far with too much stuff, so you, that's not going to happen. So you have to make your own way. Andrew Schultz is a comedian. Yeah, he's great. That did it as well. He's great. So. Mm-hmm. How like how do you meet those guys often? Like, are you with that? Like Andrew Schultz is around in New York and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I saw him the other night. Awesome. Yeah. Have you talked to him in person? Yeah, that's what you do. But yeah, like, I, was, I don't know if you meant like you just watched his set or no, you... no, no. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, he just—it's yeah. cool because I watched that guy on. Yeah, that's kind of. Those Obviously, are the I watched I, it too. People but... I roll with. Yeah. <laughs> Studied up on. What What do you think is one thing I want to ask you is what do you because you've done comedy in Canada and then you moved to New York and now you're coming back to do comedy in Canada. What's do you find is the biggest difference in the markets? What makes New York better. Well, Canada has a, a glass ceiling, which is why I left. So I'm a yeah. dirty comic. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it was. I was making a living, but that was all I was doing here. You couldn't. There's a glass ceiling. There's maybe only three comedy stars in Canada, like Jerry D, yeah. mm-hmm. Brent Butt. I don't know who else, but that's two. <laughs> uh, so it was really hard to to break out of that and to make yeah. a good living as a dirty comic. So when but did I, you move to New York? Eight years ago. So and how I was long like have you been doing comedy in general? Nineteen years. Wow. So I did, yeah, I did ten years up, uh, ten years in Canada, and then moved down there, and it was like, okay, there's gonna be the end of the road will be better here. But it was a transition. I went from making a living to making like eighty bucks a week down there because I, I you're starting all over. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but you know now it's paid off, but it it took years and years, and it's um, American audiences aren't really shocked by anything. Canadian audiences are shocked, but it's a good thing because now I come here and last night I did the show and people can't believe the things that I say because you can't say that stuff mm-hmm. in Canada anymore. Well, that's what I mean. We were watching some of your videos and I'm sitting there going, holy, like I'm laughing, but I'm like, holy fuck. Like if I heard yeah. that in the show here, you're like, you're getting the hook. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did it last night and only two women had a problem with it and they were embracing their outrage. They were outraged, but they wanted to be outraged more. So instead of leaving, they just sat there and kept getting angrier and angrier. And that's that's what I does. How do you level does. that energy? How commodity. do you manage that energy? I up? let them know that uh, comedy is a subjective art form and that they're free to have these feelings, but they're wrong. When they go, <laughs> it's not funny, I go, you're free to think that, but you're wrong because 142 other people right here are, are laughing their asses yeah. off. And then when the rest of the audience tells them, get the fuck out, you suck, yeah. then you know it's it's justified. So did you find comedy, I don't want to say easier, but more enjoyable or better when you first started or now in terms of like the state of comedy? Because jokes back then uh, you're talking about would have been more acceptable um, compared to now or do you think that no now my comedy has a nostalgic quality to it wh- which I, I, is I also cathartic that, yeah. uh and and people need that and i'm not saying that just because that's what i do but i've spent 19 years doing kind of a similar thing and it's popping now more than it has because of repression of free speech and stuff because it's got a taboo quality to it now um but back then it was fun and and now it's fun i mean I, i'm more Adept at the art form, so you know I have less bad shows. Uh, my numbers are really good, and it's like uh, I can say you learn how to say what you want better and quicker. So as whereas in my sixth year, I'd have this idea, and I'd be like, okay, I want to talk about how black privilege is a thing as yeah, opposed to white privilege. It would take me 
several weeks, if not months, to iron out that idea to make it funny Before and not just offensive. No, no, I would take it on stage right <laughs> away. But you'd it'd suck for a while, and, and you'd isolate the audience. Whereas now it's like, okay, here's this idea, I jot it out, and it's usually ready to go. And if it's not, then in America you get to do so many shows. I have a documentary out called Twenty Five Sets, where I did twenty five yeah, shows yeah. in a night. I talked to some people here, and they're like, I do like three in a month. Well, because the comedy scene in Ottawa, like, there's really just this Yuck Yucks, where we are right now in the back green room, and then Absolutely. Absolute Comedy, the two big ones, and then. Because I've done comedy up here, and I know other people too, and they're just like, yeah, I get like maybe like five a month, yeah. and that's good. Yeah. Whereas like you go to, they say Toronto's a little different, where you could maybe do like a few in a night. Yeah. But yeah, you go to New York, you, could, you doing twenty five in a night, you could, not realistically do it. But no, like, not really. <laughs> but I mean, a lot of people do five, six in a night. Yeah. Like no, that's exactly. Insane. That's insane. Club to club. Do you? So how long do you keep trying to drag on? doing a joke like how many months would it take you to be like all right this just doesn't work. i organically if it doesn't work i get rid of it after like three or four times um but i usually have an idea like now what am i i have no idea like how i'll tackle if i want to talk about the ari shafir incident on stage i don't know how i'll do that and it seems like more of a preachy thing so i'd avoid it but like but my latest joke was um how tra the trans community will cry about how jokes kill them and it was such a risky premise and i was like there's no way this is going to work right away and my line was you know if you want to stop dying just stop tricking black men and <laughs> statistically it, it's so accurate that it hit right away and i was like i'm walking a tightrope no one's gonna laugh at this and in new york you perform in front of the most diverse audiences in the world and they laughed right away. And I was like, oh, okay. So there's, <laughs> that was there's something there. And then, like, I talk because those are the only people killing trans people are black guys that got tricked. Where they're like, oh, look at that girl's titties. And then, ah, she got a penis. Bang it, bang it. Leave her in a dumpster. Run. Uh, and then they take off. So it was weird to speak this truth. And, you know, my, my feminist friends and stuff, and everyone's like, yep, you nailed it on the head because it, it's so true. So uh, truth speaks to power. Um, so I think, and you know, taking those chances and stuff, but I still haven't, you know, I still haven't done a Kobe joke and that's a fresh thing. And it's like, I'm watching my friend get dragged for that. Um, so that's a weird thing, but also some stuff I just don't, I'm like, I don't have anything. My only funny thing on that would be like, I prefer Wagyu, you know, you know <laughs> <laughs> over the head. Kobe's beef. Kobe beef. Yeah. Kobe Wagyu. Yeah. So. How do you uh, how do you find that line and like how do you walk it? Like uh, I really think that there, there. I want to say there isn't one, but then I'd be contradicting myself because if the people listening don't know the Ari story, he made a Kobe joke like right after Kobe died, and he's getting death threats, and the clubs he works at are getting like um, shoot 'em up threats and stuff, <laughs> and um, so I want to say there's no line, but then you see something like that, and you're like, okay, well, the, comics like that push so that other comics can kind of know the line. And I do that to a degree as well. But you're like, okay, so an old rule of comedy is tragedy plus time. So in that case, it's like, okay, it was probably too soon. It didn't mm -hmm. hit hard enough. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, you look at things like that, and you go, that's where the line is. And then there's other times I'll get in trouble. Like Indian women on Twitter are, for the, there's a movement of them that are very racist, and they just like, white people are the devil. And they say that. So one woman was like, I'm sick of everyone telling me my food stinks and that we shit in our own rivers. And so I just wrote back to the tweet. I just wrote stink. And that's all I wrote. And the woman like tried to get me canceled. She went after the clubs I worked at. She's like, why are you working with this racist? And I'm like, I just wrote stink. I don't understand what the problem is. Was that a test? Uh, what? Like a test to see like what she would do from that? Or? I knew she was going to get pissed off. They get so, and then she's like, you're a Nazi. I'm like, I'm a Jewish immigrant, dummy. <laughs> and she's like, well, so-and-so was a Nazi and he's just, and they, got, they just don't want to be wrong and they love it. And then I just found out today, I think thanks to the, uh, the fans of In Hot Water, she just got kicked off of Twitter because people like, she's like, you're harassing me. I'm like, no, I wrote stink. But you're going after my work. So mm -hmm. then I think people started going after her for trying to cancel me. Uh, so she's canceled. So that's, you, you want to test where the line is, but it's also it's such a multimedia art form now because of Twitter and Instagram and podcasts. You have to choose. Sometimes we get that area muddled as to where we're pushing the limits. And, and I think stage 
is the most important place to push the limits because that's where people are coming to see comedy. It's the most intimate experience they can have. Yeah, but like on Twitter you can get and stuff, that quick reaction. It's not just your followers seeing it. Someone shares a tweet. Oh, all yeah. these other people that go with identity politics see it and they'll come after you. So stand up is the purest form of testing comedy. Do you find that's almost like a job of com- or like a side job of comedians is like pushing that envelope sure. and kind of trying to like yeah I think prove it, those social definitely is a little bit wrong. It's part of it. Yeah, it's you know laughs obviously are are pretty close to first. That's what I've always said. It's funny's first. Uh, after that, you gotta be saying something, whether it's you know personal stories or which I used to do, and now I shifted to like, okay, I want to I want to deal in the same commodities as Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr, so I got to talk about the stuff that is really relevant, the stuff that pisses people off, inequality, race, sexuality, uh, social norms, and, and that's what I deal with now, and it seems to connect with people. I think that's kind of what separates the gap is the guys who can really take issues like that and spin them in such a way that, you know it like what they're saying's controversial, but you also know it's a joke. And you, you take what they're saying and the way they spin it, so it's so clever. You just that's what separates those guys compared to people who just go on stage and just like making straight up. Like, right, but there's also something to be said. Like, and the longer you do it, the more you have respect for the yeah. other people. Like yeah. some of the people that do late night sets, they're you know it, it's it's a watered down form of comedy, but some people are really good at it. And you know, long form storytellers are really skilled at what they do too. So, But there's less and less people that just go up and kind of nail stuff on the head. Uh, there's good joke writers, but they're not the best stand-ups always. You know, right. It's rare that you find right. people that mesh together like that. You, like you, I like people that are story-driven comics, but it, for you and your routines, at least the ones that are out right now that you can access, you do a lot of crowd work mm-hmm. in your sets. Yeah, I'm doing less now. Last You're night I did... Less- 52 minutes and i'd say like 45 of it was material do you think that crowd work could hit better though than planned out bits yeah definitely they they feel there's an immediacy to it and everyone feels included so that's do you, why it does that. how do you deal with like like because some i don't know every comic's kind of different because some comics kind of have their crowd work laid out so it's going in a certain direction that kind of leads into a transition to another bit or do you just straight up just freestyle it i have no idea where i'm going but uh, i'll know stuff you know i have stuff that i'm working on so that's always gonna bleed out but i have no idea where i'm going and then sometimes i'll be in the middle of something and i'll be like okay i should talk about this my mind will be saying that while i'm talking and i'll get to that and then i don't know what's next it's moment by moment how do you read the crowd like do you ever get into crowd work and then realize man this shit is not going over well and then (laughs) just get out just keep giving her or you Uh, just dig a digger hole (laughs) i don't know i mean i don't do i never do straight crowd work anymore there's always a a mix and a it's a whole abstract thing now so i don't even i don't think about it i don't think about stand i just walk on stage and then i go you know the bits you have, and you just like you don't have like a set schedule for them, and what order you want to go into. No, wow, really? complete free for all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> complete free for all. Does that 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 must come with time and just practice, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I was never a big set list guy, and would never write down. I did it for maybe a couple years, but I was like, this is there's no point to this. It huh. takes away from just talking and having stuff you want to talk about and being in the moment. Do you find now, uh, 19 years in, that? Uh, not, not like I want to say comedy's in a different place, but uh, I, I would say the people who are receiving it. Do you feel like it's in a better or worse place? Like for uh, the people, how sensitive they are, your crowds, what they find funny and what they don't. Yeah, I feel like I'm finally carving out kind of my own niche, and there's uh, the, there's an audience for the type of comedy that myself and you know a, a bunch of other New York and LA guys do, and, and some Canadian guys, I guess. Um, People are more sensitive, but it's mostly online outrage. It's not. I walk less people now than I used to years ago. You like less people? Yeah, and like last night, two women were offended, and I'm shocked. Where I'm like, oh, that's not. It's not bad bad for for, you know a surprisingly quote unquote liberal, which used to be conservative town. Um, It's not bad, two women to be upset out of 145 people. Mm -hmm. The numbers work in my favor. (laughs) <laughs> mainly just the online community. I said, I was like, these two women are just 
Facebook comments. Yeah. That's all they are. And then pe- pe- people think that that's the whole, what everyone's outlook was on the show. Yeah. And then it's just one person of 140. It's bullshit. Yeah. But um, so if people are to look up your name, they'll find your Comedy Central, this is not happening. Uh, but was it weird doing comedy in a strip club or were you kind of used to it? Because it used to be a male stripper. Yeah, it was. Uh, also, it was what's exciting. it like to be a male stripper? <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I was nerve wracking when I started, but then it was like, it was really cool. I only did it for like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was some of in the Toronto? best times of my life. Yeah, in Toronto huh. and surrounding areas. Went Would to, you recommend it? Uh, sure. It, I mean, it gave me a ton of life experience, ton of material, street smarts through the ass. Uh, because I got to deal, you know, I grew up middle class in Toronto, and it's like I hung out with some bad kids when I was younger, so that kind of put some salt on my life. But doing that really immersed me into the underbelly of society and, and gave me so much understanding uh, about sex and about people. But yeah, it, w- it was cool. Can you share like one of the craziest stories from that era of your life? Well, yeah, the one I did on TV where I jacked <laughs> off in front of two dudes for 150 bucks. I got hot chocolate stole money from me once. He's, he's you still talk now. to hot chocolate? He's dead. Oh, he's dead. I don't do seances. <laughs> and then uh, he's dead. Uh, and we weren't very upset when he died because I was like, he died and he robbed me. Uh, oh, hot chocolate <laughs> almost fought this guy from uh, Michigan named Black Seduction, who I think was escaping a murder rap and came to Toronto to hide out. He was like this big fat stripper and he <laughs> wasn't very good. And then he started yelling at hot chocolate and hit him with the phone. Back in the old payphone days, he's like, yo, my man, I need to use the phone. He's like, hang on, B. And he just took the phone and straight smacked it against <laughs> his head. Very funny. Uh, I had a Russian sugar mama. She was like a mobster's wife. Oh, fuck. fuck her. She would give me like 300 bucks every time I fuck her. So it was fun. But going to do a strip club, was uh, that, that was really exciting. I mean, that was our Ari's show, and it took me three years to get on it, even though I was qualified and I had this great story, because... They were trying to hire so diverse. So the first year, they're like, you're not going to get on it. You're white. Second year, you're not going to get on it. You're white. So unless you were white. And, and really then third famous, year, they're like, okay, we don't have enough Third white year, it came down to the wire. They said no. There it is. It ah. came real close. You said the name of the podcast. There you go. <laughs> down to the wire. <laughs> and then uh, I was at the Mets game with the guy that books the stand comedy club. And I got a call from L.A. And I'm like, who the hell is this? And they're like, hey, can you be here Sunday to shoot someone? dropped out you got the spot so that was it that's cool how often do you do comedy out in west rarely i'll only go out there for work so that last time i was there was to shoot that two years ago or three years ago so did you just go on stage and just spur all that out or did you not because you said you don't prepare that start uh i worked on it twice the night before because i was like oh okay but it it was that was the best show for stand-up at the time because it was uncensored. And uh, also Ari was like, yeah, you don't have to jump right into it. The cameras are rolling, so do whatever. If you want to do crowd work first and then go into the story. So it was really... And I'd been doing that story for like eight years. Oh, so okay. it was all, Yeah, so it was, it was all a it. practice yeah. piece, yeah. You do roast battles, too. I'm... I stopped. You stopped? I'll roast now. I'm emceeing How do you roast, feel about roast Trying battles? to push Jeff Ross out and take over his position. Because I'm funnier than him, and he and he's old now. Yeah. Um. So I want to push Jeff Ross out, and because I I hosted the Kevin from. Kevin Brennan roast, and it was hilarious. So yeah, I'll roast master now, but I won't roast battle anymore. It, like, how do you approach that compared to just? Yeah, they went because I like watched those. And I'm like, man, that's a lot of shit to make up as you go. And I see like people go up there with a piece of paper. Yeah. I imagine there's a couple notes on there. But the last one I did. Uh, I actually, I wrote a bunch on my own, and then I also paid a writer. Hey, guys, how are you? Uh, I also paid a writer, and I was like, hey, if you can send me some jokes, I'm going to bang some of these out. So the writer sent me, like, 90 jokes, and I was like, oh, this is killer. Huh. And do you, like, how's that feel compared to doing, say, like, an actual set? It's fun. It's more nerve-wracking because you don't know. You're out of your comfort zone. Especially since someone's coming back at you, too. Yeah. Roast battles were great. You, you had no idea. My best ones were against Luis Gomez, where I uh, played his dead dad. I came back as the ghost of his dead dad with, like, a bloody knife hanging out of my midriff. His dad was stabbed to death. And uh, 
no one knew what I was doing until he said it. And he goes, he's dressed up like my dead dad. He was stabbed to death. And then right away, I was like, oh, okay, I got this. Uh, <laughs> who else? Mark Normand I went against. That one was close. He won. Kurt Metzger was close. He won. Pete Lee, I beat him. Uh, there, was, there was a whole bunch. Do I was, you guys there, like take Eric Bergstrom. The, the Eric Bergstrom one. Eric was a great writer. He still is. And I beat him. And uh, that was like a... I snuck into that one. Um, yeah, back then you did. But then it was like so many open mic comics started doing them mm. that yeah. you were like, yeah, all right. Is it is the bragging rights for winning those things big around the comedy community? No. No? A couple years ago. Roasting is kind of, it's it's play. jumped the shark. Yeah, there, there was too much. Hmm. Do you think that was because it was just sort of an easy thing to set up and then go with? Or... I think it was hot for a while, and then everybody was jumping into it, and then after, like, big-name comics would do it, and uh, they'd be like, I don't want to do this anymore. And it's like some comics that are, like, edgy comics would get offended by it. And you're like, yeah, come on, you're supposed to have a thick skin. Grow up. Yeah. <laughs> have you always been, like you just said, like, have you always been an edgy comic right from the get-go? Did you always say, yeah. like, I'm going to do controversial stuff yeah, like, right from so. the start? Yeah. yeah. How has your style evolved? If your if your content has stayed more or less the same, how is your style of delivery? Or well, content has become more topical and socially relevant. But mm-hmm. uh, stylistically, I think I used to be more of an energy act, and some people will still say I am. But it's not me. The audience has a ton of energy when I'm. I sit on a stool now and talk at this pace. Mm-hmm. But people still confuse it with a high energy act because of the response of the audience. That, like uh, yeah, I can I can. I remember that one set like you had there, the crowd work one, where you're going off about the two guys in the front, <laughs> calling them gay and mm-hmm. the whole time. That that's a very high energy piece. But then yeah, you go and cross that with some of your more um, topical or actual like less crowd worky sets, yeah. and you do see that kind of transition from uh, the uh, fast pace, yeah, it's spin just, at a mile a minute, yeah, to it's a natural evolution. You know, when you're working with the best comics in the world, you have to get better, otherwise you become irrelevant. So. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, should we do some segments? Yeah, let's do some segments. All right. So for our show, we got a rotation of segments that we do. We do one of them a week because mm-hmm. we have like our other side. We do one thing called Backpage News where we cover fucked up news stories. And then we do a segment. So one of the segments is called Buy or Sell. Think about it as in kind of like, I don't want to say stocks, but like I'm buying in on that or I'm selling on that. Like what's an example I'm thinking of? Um, what was it? Writing a writing your name, leaving your number for uh, waiters or waitresses. Yeah, that's an old one we did. Yeah. Buying in on that or selling on that, like fuck that. That's an old trend I'm selling now. Or buy now, I think that's gonna come back. So we have a couple that are more so directed at research we found and kind of your life, mm-hmm. what you've talked about and what we found to work. Okay. <laughs> so buying or selling on steroids because you've been pretty open about buying. Buying steroids are great. <laughs> steroids have gone mainstream to the point where old people can do them now, and they're just called testosterone replacement therapy. Joe Rogan probably endorses human growth hormone. A whole bunch of actors take it. Steroids are the shit. If you ain't doing steroids, you ain't cool. Uh, I can't do them anymore because my wife got upset. But I was uh, I was doing I was on testosterone replacement where like I would she'd inject it in my ass every week she and, I, and I loved it. But then I was like raging and stuff and we'd argue all the time. So then she's like, "You need to go to rehab because you're." I'm like, "You don't show up at rehab saying I'm addicted to one shot of testosterone every two weeks and there's a bunch of heroin addicts in there." Yeah. Yeah. Testosterone. Yeah. So, yeah, steroids are great. If I wasn't, uh, when my daughter gets older and uh, I got more space in a bigger house, I'll for sure do steroids and be a competitive bodybuilder again for one more show. Why was, uh, why, why, why were you on the steroids? Like, why was that a... You why? mean recently or back when I used to? Well, you said it kind of, it helped you a lot in terms of getting into film for movies and... Sure. Uh, yeah, it was like, it gave me a look, you know, whereas like, uh, I had a very distinctive look that would be great for bit parts you know bad guy biker mm-hmm. uh, bartender yeah i guess bartender uh that was detroit rock city but i wasn't on roids and i was clean but it gave you know i was a small kid and i i didn't want to be a small short kid so i did steroids and it made me get wider and bigger yeah. and it was awesome like a vin diesel stunt double sure <laughs> oh man, it was so fun today. I, like in our intro, we we were gonna use the intro, and we said it kind of looks like a Vin Diesel stunt double. 
today I was watching, like I went to go watch some of your stuff just to brush up before we did this interview. <laughs> and the advertisement that came up was for the new Fast and Furious yeah. movie. They're <laughs> listening. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another segment we do, new slash old segment. We've had it, but we just changed the name. That's yeah, what like we changed that. the name we on the car ride over here. Yeah, called Big Three now. Okay. But uh, t- essentially, it's like a top three. Uh, top three bald people. It's your big three. Not including yourself. The Rock. Dwayne Johnson. Uh, Kojak. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I'll say Vin Diesel. Vin there Diesel. you go. Yeah. I got. I'm saying Howie Mandel, Ugh. Rob Corddry, yeah, and Terry Crews. Oh, I didn't know that he could be like that kind of bald. Jeremy Piven, remember he was bald, and then he got a hair. You don't know who Jeremy Piven is? You ever no. watch a show called Entourage? Oh, okay, okay. okay yeah. 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 Which one's that? Ari. Ari oh, Gold. oh, Ari. I like Ari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd have to say my three are Vern Troyer. Dead. Was Vern Troyer, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, go Mike Tyson. Oh, I didn't even think he was bald. Oh, he is now, yeah. I'm going to go uh, Woody Harrelson for number three. Nice. I, he once came to, uh, I was having a birthday party at the Brunswick House in Toronto, and he showed up when he was there shooting a movie, and he was smoking weed, and it took all the glamour <laughs> away from my birthday party because everyone's like, Woody Harrelson. Smoke <laughs> with Woody Harrelson. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, another one we got. We do a thing called grease power. Essentially, if something's a greasy move, obviously it's grease power. If it's like, what's um, I'm trying to think of one we did I last think week. Nice. So yeah, greasy move or power move on your part. What do we got here? Fingering. We're, <laughs> that's a good one. I say power. Power. You gotta power. set the tone. As our good buddy says, you gotta slip the things. Slip the things in. The only thing, only thing, things can only go up once you slip the things in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Um, the one we have is hair pieces. Nice. I had one. You had one? Yeah. For a bit. Grease your power bit. move. Uh, Both. It was greasy, but then I got a movie <laughs> roll out of it, uh, a horror movie that Rob Schmidt directed, and it's one of the worst movies ever, and you can see it on Amazon Prime. It's called Bad Meat. And uh, I had this, and I didn't think anybody knew about the hairpiece. I thought it looked that good. And whenever I would see people, they'd just stare <laughs> at, the, at the top of my head like that. I used to have a, we used to have a teacher at school, and he, he was an old man, but uh, he had this hairpiece that, like, his ring of hair that went around the bottom was, like, silver. Silver. Mm-hmm. The hairpiece he'd been using since my mom had him in high school was still the same fucking yeah. hairpiece. Different color. Still, could, you could see the fringe around it. Just terrible. Yeah. People, she, mom said people used to like try to sit there and like, as he walked in the room, they'd try to catch it with a fish hook. That's funny. <laughs> people would, uh, like I had to get mine replaced every six weeks because you'd brush it and wash it. So you go in, you were on a plan. It was like leasing a car. A you had to lease. Yeah. You had to lease your hairpiece. And then you go in, they give you a new one. And you can be like, ah, this will look good for a couple weeks. And my uh, fiance at the time, she had fake tits. So she was like, it's cool. Because she just considered it cosmetic surgery. And uh, it was so bad. And then I was just like, I'm not going to do this anymore. But it made me feel good looking. It made me feel young again. Because I was like, ooh, I look good. Was that that the same time you were using steroids? No. No? No. Hmm. I I feel like bald's just, just like... I like just this. Look better Dude, yeah, yeah, exactly. I like it's this, tough. but boy, I see a walk by like a hair cutting place today, and they have pictures of dudes with hair, and I'm like, man, I miss hair. <laughs> when did so you go bald? Uh, my probably early 30s, maybe. Did you embrace it right off the start, or well, no, you, you got a hair. Piece. It was thinning. No, I didn't get the hair piece right away. I yeah. shaved down, and I looked good shaved. Uh, but then after a while of being shaved, I miss it still. I still think if I could now, like I have the money, I could go get a transplant. But I'm like, that it just looks too, stupid. Too late now. Yeah. It's too late. <laughs> too late. <laughs> just all gray and no fucking go- natty. <laughs> There's no going back yeah. now. <laughs> I'll be bald for my life. Um, okay, another segment we do is called Shoot the Shit. It's in the name. Quite self-explanatory. Um, strip clubs. I know we kind of touched on it earlier, but you've seen both, both, sides, both sides of it. Both sides of the coin. Yeah. What, what's your take on them? Do you keep farting? That's the chair, I swear. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> I keep farting. <laughs> I like to go. My favorite one is the Sundowner in Niagara Falls. So when I'm in Niagara Falls, I will go to the Sundowner. I will get one of those Budweiser Prohibition beers, the non-alcoholic one. And I'll sit there and I'll watch a couple girls and then I'll get two dances. Uh, and that's it. Other than that, there's one in South Florida where they'll like grind up on your dick through your jeans and you can smoke in there. That one's my second oh, favorite one. But for the most part, I don't like going. But if I have to, like if, I got, if I'm mad at my wife and then I go on the road, I'll be like, I'm going to go let a girl ride on my dick jeans. <laughs> What's rowdier, male or female strip clubs? Male. Uh, they would go. They were nuts. A woman grabbed my cock once. Then our our female bouncer threw her down the <laughs> stairs. It was hilarious. The the women are fucking out of control. Out of control. Do you think it's because they don't go to strip clubs that much, so they don't know how? Sure, but it's also a freedom, and it's like flipping, you know, sexism on its head. Or mm-hmm. just Turning like, the tables. Yeah. They were oh, so many girls. Can I suck your dick? Can I? And they'd just be begging. They'd pay to suck your dick. It was great. Get some side gigs, John. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. This doesn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> See you boys at Bearfax. Fuck. You ever been to Bearfax? Yeah, years ago. Yeah. Oh my god. Do you like Quebec strip clubs? Uh, I don't think. A little I've less gone. rules. I've heard that. I don't want to go in fucking. I, when I was younger, I used to go. I'd be like sucking on a girl's tits. I'm like, yeah. And then you see like everybody else sucking on her tits, and you're like, that's a mistake. I'm gonna get strep. That's throat. a disease yeah. right there. <laughs> also, okay, let's do another shoot the shit on. Uh, I want to talk about the coronavirus because I saw you reply to tweet to someone who got fired for the joke they made, the selfie with the guy, yeah. the Asian guy covering his face, and you thought it was bullshit how he got fired. Yeah. I just want it like that wasn't a question. <laughs> um, what, what's your take on? Uh, if I was Asian right now, I'd throw a mask on, go around, start coughing at everybody, and then just opening up cans of Corona and pouring them on my surgery. I saw mask. an Asian guy saying that. He says, "I don't find it racist. I just get away with it." Like he'll start coughing in lines. Like now I'm first in line. Like, I'll, I'll use it to my advantage. It's just. I mean, what are you gonna? Yeah, don't. They're eating bats. Yeah, no one's told you to eat bats, bats rats, wolves, bats, and shit. Rats, wolves, <laughs> oxen. I don't know what else they eat. I did. I it talked about it last night it where there was a lot. Chinese guy in the crowd, and I was like, "Don't you cough and fucking empty this place out?" <laughs> uh, My like, paycheck's right. I was like, "Yeah, they're they're eating bats." I mean, what do you what do you expect's gonna happen? I think it's okay because the person in Canada was released. They had somebody they, in Canada. They were there was released. two in Toronto, there's, one there's in BC. Th- third one I just saw today. Nice. Nice. Keep those numbers coming. <laughs> <laughs> Should switch to Modelo. It's another beer. Even another cerveza. Yeah. <laughs> another cerveza. Do you I think thought, like that kind of stuff you'll stick more towards like integrating stuff like that and crowd work kind of pieces, or would you actually build a set based on that? No, I'd like to do a joke about it. I mean, I did last night, but I, yeah, it's, it's relying on crowd work because mm-hmm. you can't just be like these hongers are making us all sick. <laughs> Just hate speech. That's what I, I yeah. saw. I saw a post. And it was like some hillbilly was just like, "I can't get the coronavirus. I drink Budweiser." That's funny. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, and now now the doors are all open on the xenophobia deal. And I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, what are you gonna do? Do you have xenophobia in Canada? Yeah, I guess you do, right? Yeah, in America, it's a lot of it. Yeah. it's mm-hmm. like yeah, America's the best. Why you don't want to go nowhere else? Canada's nice too. I think it runs pretty rampant in any Quebec. Western it's pretty big time, right? Yeah. Quebec yeah. is very, uh, very righteous about the beliefs. <laughs> he knows, right? Quebec's Alberta anti- too. Alberta. Alberta. Oh yeah, Alberta too. That's because all the people from the East Coast go. Good. Glad we're all on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> Xenophobia. So, um. I don't know, just kind of final questions here. I don't think we hit on some things. Because um, in terms of, like, controversial bits, I know we keep talking about it, but I feel like it's kind of the wave you have to do now as a comic, is you have to talk about stuff like that. Yeah, if that. you're not getting in trouble, you're not you're not having impact. Getting in trouble... Look, Jim Gaffigan, who's the cleanest comic around, 
he gets in trouble because he did like a series of short videos about craft beer and the craft beer people were like, hey, what the hell? We're craft brewers. And they got upset. Craft beer. Dicks. So it's like everyone gets outraged now. So if you're not if you're not getting in trouble, you're not pushing. And that's kind of what that's what's rising up to the top. If you want to be a relevant stand up comic, you have to deal with these issues. And there's so many issues now. There's other ways to make a living. So I've seen a bunch of comics that play it safer. They get writing jobs. But if you were to watch them live for an hour, you'd want to put a gun in your mouth yeah. and hang mm-hmm. yourself and yeah. watch old Robin Williams videos. Like, it's just a nightmare to watch these people do yeah. and do even five minutes. They're, they're not funny in front of a live audience. So the, the best stand-up comics are usually getting in trouble. There's a couple rare exceptions, like a Nate Bargatze or something. But everybody else, you, you got to you, you dabble in controversy. And it's not fun. To be immersed in it. I've had people try and cancel me. I've had, you know, false claims about what our fans have done and stuff. And, it, and it's not fun. It disturbs your family life. There's a whole bunch of shit that goes with it. So it's not enjoyable, but it, it is part of it, you know. And, and I think it, it speaks to the power of stand-up comedy. That's why people want to silence comics. In America, uh, it, that's why people are trying to cancel them. Because they're speaking truth to power. And, and it's a scary thing, you know? Comics, you look at who Rogan has on the show, it's like comics, uh, political speakers, UFC fighters. Yeah, some rappers. The, um, th- those people are relevant, more so than politicians. I mean, comics are better speakers than politicians. Politicians are full of shit and they're liars. Comics have integrity. Uh, sometimes it doesn't go as deep as it should, but it, it's a very noble art form, and and it's really important in society, especially when society's shaken like this. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Cause so when you do bits about I don't know stuff about you've done something like race, you talked about sex and stuff like that. Are you trying to send a deeper message behind it, or are you just don't don't take these jokes? Not, I don't want to say literal at all, but like, there's no meaning really. I don't it's think a about joke, it, but so. it's I. I want people to laugh. I like people to laugh till they cry and they're belly laughing. That was always my goal when I came up at Yuck Yucks. I would watch Jeremy Hotz, Russell Peters, Jason Rouse, and those guys were killers, and people would be falling out of their seats laughing. So I was like, that's how funny I want to be, and that's how funny I am now. I saw. It was in South Florida. A woman fell off her stool flat on her face. How good does that And, like, feel, stopped man? the show. My wife ran over. I was like, it's all right. My <laughs> wife speaks dumb blonde. She'll help you. But uh, it, that's what I want. So that's my first goal. And for me to feel, you know, because I'm always pushing myself to get better. And I want to deal with taboo topics. And when you're dealing with taboo topics, it has this benefit that it's like, okay, the joke's funny, but there's also the people shouldn't be laughing at it, which increases their laughter. They don't want to. So that's how that result comes. It's a combination of it's a funny joke and a taboo topic. It mm-hmm. makes them laugh harder. They'll try and stop themselves from laughing, which makes them laugh harder. You see an old lady slip on the ice. You don't want to laugh. You're going <laughs> to laugh harder. Funny. Yeah, <laughs> It's the same thing. People falling is John's like favorite. Yeah, Fart jokes, people Fart falling. Jokes, people falling, poop, and people get hit in the nuts. Nice. Favorite fucking things. Favorite yeah. funny. Like, it's classic comedy. It's funny every single time. It's low-hanging fruit, but... It is. Listen to God all upset. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like fucking God rumbling over two gay men <laughs> as they lay in bed to make love. <laughs> this is not what I intended, Adam and Steve. <laughs> Do you touch on much religious stuff? I don't think I've heard but much religious stuff. No, I think I talk about you know I was brought up Jewish. My wife was Christian. That's I don't really talk about it that much. Doesn't doesn't Some affect my happen. life. <laughs> uh, I'm not that. I'm not really religious. I mean, we we sit down and we we'll say what we're grateful for before we. Eat. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's as religious as we get. And my daughter had kind of dying, a Jewish like... baby naming ceremony. I made sure to do that because my wife wanted to get her christened. I'm like, no fucking christen on her. <laughs> you fucking devil Christ child. The fuck That's how you get fucked kids. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Aaron. I think right. we'll let you go. Your set starts in about an hour. Oh, um, good. I need to go do vocal warm-ups and go over my set list. Write down all my jokes in order. 
You imagine I just lied to you guys? And then you see me just <laughs> writing it all. Me, 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 me. And then I go up on stage and I'm like, how is everybody tonight? It is good to see you. Very robotic. Well, I wish you guys all the best. I hope you don't get canceled when you get hired at CBC and then they fire you because you're not a Muslim trans couple. And uh, I wish all the best for you. I hope, I hope your transitions go well. And, uh, just so we can get jobs. Yeah. It's happening. Good luck with this podcast. I hope all eight people that hear it are very excited <laughs> to hear it. And uh, I'm going to go back to the hotel. Already beat off today, so that's done. And uh, probably go smoke a soup. Might get a Harvey's hamburger. Harvey's is shit. I love Harvey's. Harvey's my favorite, favorite fast food place. I like Shake Shack. I fuck with Chick-fil-A. You guys don't have Shake Shack here, right? No. And we just got our first Chick-fil-A in I, Toronto. Yeah, and then they protested outside. <laughs> And then gay people are like, mm, that chicken's good. And then uh, they're like, okay, actually, we'll put another one at Yorkdale. Did they do that? <laughs> they're going too soon. Good. Uh, yeah. And um, what else? Favorite fat? I'm going to get Harvey's. But then I know how heavy it's going to sit in my stomach. And I'm like, I don't like eating like that be- uh, before shows. Here in Ottawa, favorite restaurants, The Keg and Lone Star. I fucks with those two things. chains. Yes. Lone Star is keg is so consistent for mm-hmm. a steakhouse. Mm-hmm. There's better steakhouses, but the keg is just fucking good. Lone Star, that big fajita platter. I'm gonna go somewhere mm-hmm. tomorrow. No Lone Star fajitas are the shit. And you get them big old. That's coronas. the way to go. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't drink. But uh, when you do stand up at night, you can't go eat at night. So what we do now? I have a podcast called In Hot Water. Me and my uh, podcast partner Gino will go and we'll have like a big dinner. But for lunch. So we'll go to like a steakhouse and mm-hmm. get like a huge steak and all the sides. And it actually even costs less. It's a good fucking life hack. And then you don't get all fucking stuffed at night. Hmm. This is awesome. I look forward to uh, seeing this podcast go big time. You guys need a new camera. By the yeah, way. I know. Yeah. That's, we, uh, uh, that's next on our Christmas list. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know this is the green room that Louis jacked off in front of three people? No, it's not. Yeah. Louis C.K.? I made that up. I was going to say, <laughs> an yeah. Ottawa Yuck Yucks. Yeah. <laughs> no way. I'm sitting here. You started Yuck Yucks in Toronto, right? Mm-hmm. The Yuck Yucks in Toronto is the one you started at? Yeah. Yeah, okay. The old one, though, not the new one. There was one before that. Wow. All right. You guys were great. Thank Pleasure. Much, Thanks man. for having Thanks me. Coming on. Appreciate it. Go look up Aaron Berg. You'll find him. And Aaron Berg Comedy. AaronBerg.com. What else? All righty. Cheers, fellas. That was great, guys. Thank you.